They're here. They've come. Oh, yes, the Trump supporters had their big day in the sun yesterday, Super Tuesday, big win for Donald Trump. We'll talk about all the math. Can anyone stop Donald Trump? What does it mean for our nation? Plus, Chris Christie, dude, what's up with him? I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. So I have to admit, the last few weeks of broadcast have been incredibly depressing, even for me, and I'm a naturally upbeat person. (laughs) But aside from that, okay, so Chris Christie has to be even more depressive than I am at this point, and he's backing the guy, right? He's backing Donald Trump. I don't back Donald Trump. If you've missed the last several weeks of the program, I think that Donald Trump is a horror show. But all that aside, Chris Christie has become the saddest person in America. Here's Chris Christie. The governor of New Jersey, at one point, he thought he was going to be president. You remember, he gave his big bloviating Tony Soprano-style speech at the 2012 Republican National Convention, pushing himself, not pushing Romney at all. And now here is Chris Christie introducing Donald Trump, and he looks like he's about to break down and cry. Tonight, Donald Trump has won Georgia and Massachusetts, Alabama and Virginia. And he's also won the great state of Tennessee. (laughs) Tonight is the beginning of Donald Trump bringing the Republican Party together for a big victory this November. Oh, my God. Chris Christie looks like he's reading a resignation speech. Tonight is the beginning of Donald Trump bringing the people of our nation together to help America win again. Okay. The only time I've been positive. Honest to God, it looks like Chris Christie was just forced into a shotgun marriage after impregnating Donald Trump. That's what it looks like in this video. Well, he's going from victory to victory, and I'm so glad we're in love, and I guess we're going to stay together forever. And he won a lot of states, and yeah, I'm glad I'm here, guys. He was so glad that he was here (laughs) that this vine started making the rounds. Chris Christie was standing behind Donald Trump at the debate or after after all of this was over. Trump was making his victory speech. And Chris Christie, I tweeted out, he looks like Renfield to Trump's Dracula at this point. <laughs> and other people said that he looked like LeFou to Donald Trump's Gaston in the in the in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> but whatever he looks like, he looks like an incredibly disappointed potato. That's essentially what he is, like a russet potato who is <laughs> who has lost all contact with reality and optimism. Looks like a man who's staring. He's got the thousand-yard stare like he just got back from Nam. And here is Chris Christie. Hey, just watch this. You have to watch it. It's too funny. Okay, here we go. This man. And Christie is like, I can't believe that I'm here. This is what my life has come to. I'm standing behind this con man bloviating real estate narcissist reality star with crappy hair and stubby fingers. And I'm standing behind him. And I had to endorse him so that he'll make me attorney general. <laughs> what has happened to my life? <laughs> and, <coughs> and folks, we laugh now because this is going to be everybody who votes for Trump. Who's not a Trump? Who's not a Trumpster? In about three weeks, we're all going to be standing behind Trump, going, "Oh, I can't believe this is happening!" Like, really, really, I'm here. This can't be real. He looks like <laughs> he looks like a Rod Serling character who's about to wake up from a dream. <laughs> he's going to wake up. He's, "Oh my God, I had the worst dream. I had a dream that I ran for president and Donald Trump beat the crap out of me, and then I had to endorse him." And I was standing behind him at his speech, looking all awkward. 
Oh my god, it was terrible. <laughs> he actually needs some like animated sweat pouring down his face in order to make this complete like airplane style sweat where he's got like the huge flop sweat and buckets of water pouring off his face. Ah, we mock because he deserves it. Chris Christie is truly a terrible person. <laughs> Donald Trump has made his latest hostile takeover Chris Christie's soul. That's essentially what happened. <laughs> so, all right. So Donald Trump was the big winner last night. He won seven out of the out of the twelve states, or eight out of the twelve states. Uh, the, the Marco Rubio, who has all the momentum, gang. Marco Rubio won one state, Minnesota, and he won it narrowly. That means that he's going to be president. Yeah, not so much. We'll go through the numbers on Marco Rubio in a second. But Marco Rubio, <laughs> he made it sound like he's winning. I, I will say this: the man has a gift for never winning anything and then going around talking about how he's winning and the momentum is all with I tweeted out last night. I have won at this point early in the night. I tweeted out. I have currently won as many states as Marco Rubio. I have all the momentum. And that's essentially the Rubio campaign. The Cruz campaign is sitting in the background going, guys, guys, I'm actually winning a couple of states. Can you give me some coverage? And Fox is like, no, no, you're Ted Cruz. We'll cover Marco Rubio, who has all the momentum. And we'll cover Donald Trump and pretend that we hate him, even though most of us kind of like him. And he raises our ratings. So it's it, Ted Cruz is just the, the sad guy in the corner. He's like, I don't know what I have to do here. I'm working on the group project. I did all the work, and I given the, the credit to the entire group. I'm the only one who's beaten this guy, and you're sitting over here telling me I can never be president, I can never get the nomination. And Trump, meanwhile, is just kind of cruising. So th- there are a couple of signs of weakness for Trump last night, not enough to actually defeat him, as I'll explain in a little while, because in order to defeat Donald Trump, in order to truly defeat Donald Trump, you need a bunch of presidential candidates to put their egos aside. Uh, yeah things that are never going to happen but in order to defeat trump that needs to happen it's not going to happen uh basically and we'll get to the analysis later marco rubio would have to win florida and then quit and john Kasich would have to win ohio and then quit neither of those two things are going to happen there were a couple of signs of weakness for trump last night in the only closed primary meaning the only primary where democrats can't register as republicans or register for a republican primary and go and vote in the, in the only closed primary, Oklahoma, Ted Cruz won. Ted Cruz won in Texas. Trump did not show quite as strong in some of the other states as people thought he was going to. They thought he was going to wipe the floor in Vermont, for example. He very narrowly beat Ohio Governor John Kasich. He won seven states instead of, instead of 11. Ted Cruz won the, uh, the caucus in Alaska. He also won Oklahoma and he won Texas. And Marco Rubio won Minnesota. And there's some evidence that late-breaking voters turned away from Trump, that maybe the KKK incident in which Donald Trump's earpiece led him to say racist things. Um, you know, he has a racist earpiece. It was, no one had seen it. Actually, it was, when he actually took the earpiece out of Donald Trump's ear, what was weird about it is that it was wearing a little white hood. It was bizarre. But, but Donald Trump's earpiece led him to say silly things about the KKK. You know, that, that may have had some impact. The fact that Marco Rubio and, and Ted Cruz, as per my advice, finally went on attack against Trump, that may have had some impact. There's still two weeks to March 15th, so it's possible that that starts to tell a little bit on Donald Trump. It's also more possible that it, that it doesn't. But first, let's go through what Donald Trump had to say for himself. Then we'll go through the, the, the analysis of the numbers. And then finally, we'll get to the big game changer. The big game changer. Is that a tease or what? Just a few minutes. Stick around. The big game changer. So here is Donald Trump talking last night about how Marco Rubio had a really, really rough night. And he did. Marco Rubio had a bad night. Here's Donald Trump. And, and notice, but try to ignore Chris Christie in the background, looking just like a big old sack of sad lard. And, and try and follow what Donald Trump is saying about Marco Rubio. I know it was a very tough night for Marco Rubio. He had a tough night, but uh, 
He worked hard. He spent a lot of money. He is a lightweight, as I've said many times before. But uh, you know what? We're going to go to Florida. We're going to spend so much time in Florida. We've got about a 20-point lead. Uh, I know that a lot of groups, a lot of the special interests, and a lot of the lobbyists, and the people that want to have their little senator do exactly as they want, they're going to put 20 or $25 million into it over the next two weeks from what just came over the wires. And frankly, I think that's fine. As far as I'm concerned, it's fine. And if he wins, they'll have totally control, total control. But he's not going anywhere anyway. But we'll see what happens. Donald Trump, magnanimous in victory, as always. And behind him, Chris Christie, just looking like Igor over there. <laughs> Igor, fetch me my water! <laughs> and Chris like, okay, go get your... <laughs> People are starting to call Chris Christie, Chris Shinebox Christie. Like, from the Goodfellas, like, go get your Shinebox, Chris. A little bit. Okay, so, so Trump says that Rubio had a tough night. He did have a tough night. Trump is right. The polls may be slightly overstated in Florida, but Trump does have a lead in Florida. Again, we'll get to the numbers in a minute. The thing you got to love about Donald Trump is that Donald Trump, he's twirling, twirling, twirling towards the future. There is no position he holds for more than five seconds. So Marco Rubio's a lightweight. He had a tough night. He's controlled by the special interests. Unlike Donald Trump, who is the special interest. And then Donald Trump turns and he says, but don't worry, I'm a unifier. Here we go. But I will say this. Look, we have expanded the Republican Party. When you look at what's happened in South Carolina and you see the kind of numbers that we got in terms of extra people coming in, they came from the Democratic Party or the Democrat Party and the Democrats and their longtime Democrats and they were never going to switch and they all switched and they were independents. And we've actually expanded the party. Look at the number of votes we had in that area as an example. Uh, four years ago, they had 390,000 or so votes. We doubled it. We were almost 800,000. Whereas the Democrats went down. There's much less enthusiasm for the Democrats. So, uh, I, look, I'm a unifier. I know people are going to find that a little bit hard to believe, but believe me, I am a unifier. Once we get all of this finished, I'm going to go after one person. That's Hillary Clinton. On the assumption she's allowed to run, which is a big assumption. I don't know that she's going to be allowed to run. And I think that's frankly going to be an easy race. You see the polls. I beat Hillary in many polls. I know one thing. I don't think Marco's going to be able to beat her. I don't think, in all fairness, I think Ted's going to have a very hard time. But Ted at least has a shot because at least he's won a little bit. So I just tell you this. We are going to be a much finer party, a much, we're going to be a unified party. I mean, to be honest with you. And we are going to be a much bigger party. And you can see that happening. We're going to be a much bigger party. Our party is expanding. And all you have to do is take a look at the primary states where I've won. And just look where we've gone from X number to a much larger number. That hasn't happened to the Republican Party in many, many decades. So I think we're going to be more inclusive. I think we're going to be more unified. And I think we're going to be a much bigger party. And I think we're going to win in November. Okay, so he was a unifier. He's going to bring people together. Also, Marco Rubio is a loser and will never win anything ever again. Plus, you know how big a unifier Trump is? He's such a big unifier that he said this about Paul Ryan, the current Speaker of the House. And again, Chris Christie, uh, there was something that popped into mind while I was watching this. He looks exactly like Luca Brasi from The, from the Godfather. Like exactly like Luca Brasi from The Godfather. And it's going to be so awkward when Trump makes him sleep with the fishes when he crosses him. It's really going to be awkward. Here's Donald Trump saying that but after saying that he's a big unifier and he's bringing people together, he brings people together by threatening Paul Ryan. Good times. I wasn't equivocating. Let's not ask it again. How many times do I say, listen, 
Who are you, by the way? Who do you? Who are you with? Okay, very good. Good job. Um, look, I don't want to waste a lot of time. I've disavowed. I've, okay, I'm going to get along great with Congress, okay? Uh, Paul Ryan, I don't know him well, but I'm sure I'm going to get along great with him. And if I don't, he's going to have to pay a big price, okay? Okay. And he's going to pay a big price, because if you don't, you don't pay attention to Donald Trump, if you're mean to Donald Trump, you pay a huge, brutal, magnificent, luxurious price. So that was Donald Trump last night. He also said Chris Christie would make a spectacular attorney general, which is why Chris Christie is standing there looking like just whatever Chris Christie looks like. It looks like a walking tombstone. If you, if you remember from, from Fantasia, there's a scene in Fantasia, there's, there's kind of a shot in Fantasia where they're playing Beethoven's Fifth, where you see kind of a walking coffin, boom, boom, just bouncing. That's Chris Christie now. Okay, so that was, that was Trump last night. And Trump gets to say whatever he wants. He's the winner, right? I mean, the winners win. And meanwhile, Marco Rubio is fully delusional. Marco Rubio, is he, his, his plan is completely working. His plan to go, to go third, fifth, second, fourth, third, 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 second, third, 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 second, third, third, third. It's working perfectly. So far, he is totally on track to be president of the United States. And last night was just more evidence of his momentum. He won Minnesota, where there are seven voters. And so here is Marco Rubio. He's giving a big victory speech last night. Things are really looking up for the Rubio campaign. To send a message loud and clear. We are going to send the message that the party of Lincoln and Reagan and the presidency of the United States will never be held by a con artist. Never be held by a con artist, except for how it's going to be held by a con artist, apparently. And I love, I love this, the optimism and the cheers, and it's all going great. This is right on track, and we're right on. And then Marco Rubio says, you know who really had a bad night? It wasn't me. It wasn't me. The one who really had a bad night was Ted Cruz. Yeah, sure, he won like a, at least two more states than I did, but the one who really, really had a bad night was Ted Cruz, even though he's beating me by like 100 delegates right now. So here's Marco Rubio explaining... He wasn't a big loser. He was really a big winner. It all, it's all working out just spectacularly. And we're going to pick up delegates in every state on the map tonight for the most part. Well, John Kasich can't say that. And, and Ted Cruz, a bad night for him, too. I mean, this was supposed to be a Southern strategy. Let's not forget, his campaign said that tonight was the night that it would all come to an end and he would be the nominee. He didn't even come close to fulfilling that. And if, and if Ted Cruz, given how he's running, cannot sweep on Super Tuesday in the South, where in this country is he going to win? I, on the other hand, I can make the case that given where you see voters are going in different parts of the country, we have many states remaining, the bulk of the delegates outstanding, where we're going to, be very, we're going to do very well and have a real chance to stop Donald Trump and become the nominee. Okay, so all of that is going beautifully. His, his plan to never win a state and yet somehow magically win the nomination, it's beautiful. It's going just great. Meanwhile, Ted Cruz is giving his own speech, and, and he's explaining that it's morning in America, everything is great. Everything's rosy except for like no one's winning. No one's actually beating Trump. And if they do beat Trump, it's because he's running slightly under projections. But let's just put it this way, folks. Donald Trump right now at this point in the process has more delegates than Mitt Romney had in 2012 at this time in the process. Here's Ted Cruz declaring victory. I guess everybody, I I declare victory. I won last night. I was the big winner. Donald Trump got schlonged. It was me. I won. As long as we're living in this magical fan, Lindsay, Lindsay won. Turns out Lindsay won. Mathis, who looks like, according to his Uber driver, an ugly James Dean. Mathis won. Everybody wins. Everybody's a big winner last night, except for the guy who actually won. Here's Ted Cruz declaring himself a big winner last night. 
from this day forward. Let us together show that Reagan's love, optimism, and faith in the American people were not misplaced. Let us show that we will not let the American light go out, that we will fight for our Constitution, for life, and for freedom. You have shown that we remain a strong and just people, a people who do not give in to fear, but rise always in our righteous might to meet the challenges of the future. Together, we can do it. If we stand together and return to the free market principles and the constitutional liberties that built America. Okay, so that so he's saying all, all this stuff Once is fine. Again. All this stuff is Trump is running a completely different campaign than the rest of these guys. Marco Rubio is talking about how he's the big winner. Ted Cruz is talking about constitutional principles. Ah, passe. We don't do those sorts of things anymore. Come on, this is America. This is the Republican Party, twenty sixteen. We don't talk about the Constitution or conservatism or things that actually matter, like values. We don't talk about those things. We talk about little Marco, and we talk about. How Hillary Clinton is ugly, and we talk about how Megyn Kelly is bleeding from her wherever, and how we're going to make America great again by building a wall that we're never actually going to build, and deporting people we're never actually going to deport. But trust me, because I've lied in the past. So it's all it's all wonderful. Everything is just going swimmingly for the Republican Party all the way to the end. By the way, Ted Cruz, he did make one good point in all of this. He was talking about Fox News, and he was asked why exactly he's not getting any attention from Fox News Clip 12. He says this to to Sean Hannity. He says this on CNN. If you think Donald Trump is so antithetical to conservatism, what took you so long to say so? Because you really cozied up to him for the for the majority of this campaign. Well, listen, Dana, for the last couple of months, I've been taking Donald on directly. And in fact, at the last few debates prior to this one last week, nobody else was willing to jump into the fray and and and. In order to, the way this primary has played out, it's a winnowing process. And so there were some candidates that took Donald on when there were 17 of us and they didn't have a strong enough base and you couldn't do that. From my end, I needed to build my base of support. I needed to take care so that I was on a strong foundation first before I could take him on. Okay, and that so, was a natural process. So this is Cruz, expl- but- wrong clip, my fault. But the, the, this is Cruz explaining why he didn't take on Trump earlier, clip 13 is where he explains why exactly he's not getting any attention for actually winning things on Mark Levin's show. I don't know what, I don't want to waste your time with this, but the the Chris Wallace interview, I mean, I'm on the air and I said, today is Trump Day on Fox, and yesterday was Rubio Day. There never seems to be a Cruz Day on Fox. I'm serious about this. It it, it is, and and as you understand, that 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 is not accidental, that that, that, uh, uh, by all appearances is a corporate decision from the top. And, and uh, you know, that, that they can have their own agenda, but we're, we're not going to worry about that. We're going to worry about getting straight to the voters. Okay, so to, so he's right, by the way. There is a, Fox does not cover Cruz uh, in the way that the Cruz ought to be covered. He is the second-place guy right now. He is not the third-place guy. They're treating Rubio like he and Cruz are a parody, and they absolutely are not. So two questions. So let, let's, you know what, let's start by going through the math. Here's, here's where we currently stand. So for people who are wondering... There are a lot of people today, and they're sitting around going, yeah, don't worry, there's still a way to win this. Hugh Hewitt, who's, uh, who I'm friends with over at Salem Radio Network and CNN, 
he, he called into the morning show I do to talk about how, don't worry, this is still going to go open convention. No, in all likelihood, it is definitely not going to go open convention. Okay, here is how the math works from here on in. So there are only two scenarios, really only two, where Trump gets stopped. The first is Trump losing Florida to Rubio and losing Ohio to Kasich. And then there would have to be some sort of major Rubio-Cruz-Kasich counteroffensive where all of them win a bunch of individual states and take enough votes away from Trump in order to win. The problem with this particular strategy is that that means that they actually have to not split the vote sufficiently to let Trump win in the winner-take-all states that come later in the race. Trump could lose Florida and Ohio and still take the nomination easily if he wins Pennsylvania and California and New York, and if he does all of that because the field is too split. The second scenario is Marco Rubio drops out, no, and Kasich drops out, and all of the support consolidates behind Cruz. Cruz can't drop out right now. He's got the most delegates, and why would he? He's likely to do better in the next few primary states. There are a bunch, actually, up till Super Tuesday. And if he drops out, there's a possibility that a lot of Cruz voters actually switch back to Trump, which is a problem. This is why even Lindsey Graham, who despises Cruz, came out yesterday and said, it's possible that the only win here it comes via Cruz. So here's how the math breaks down. Right now, Donald Trump is leading with a significant number. I think he's got 300 and, and, 300 and some delegates. On Super Tuesday, before Super Tuesday, for the next few weeks, there are 326 delegates at stake. Assume that Trump wins the same share of those delegates that he's won in the early primary contest, which is a fair assumption. That means he's going to win 160 more delegates. That means he has 526. Remember, he only needs to get to 1237. He needs to get to 1,237 delegates. So by Super Tuesday, he's going to be about 40% of the way there. He'll have 526 or so delegates heading into Super Tuesday. On Super Tuesday, there are another almost 400 delegates at stake. The problem is a lot of these delegates are at stake in winner-take-all states. So those winner-take-all states means that if Trump wins 35% and Cruz wins 34 Trump takes all of them. There's no even split in terms of the delegates. So even if Cruz wins a solid percentage of North Carolina, for example, but Trump wins Florida and Ohio, it's over. He picks up an excess of 300 votes, and suddenly he's up in the, the 800s. He's up in, in like the 850 range, 800, 850 range. And that means that there's still another 1,000 delegates available there's still another 1,000 delegates available, and he only has to win 200 of them. So it's, it's a foregone, or 400 of them. It's a foregone conclusion at that point he wins the nomination. If Trump loses Florida and Ohio, he could still win if the field doesn't consolidate. And again, it stays too fragmented. So if Rubio stays in and Cruz stays in and Kasich stays in after Super Tuesday, the chances that Trump wins the nomination are extraordinarily good. So that means the only real shot the only real shot that Trump loses the nomination at this point or that he doesn't have enough delegates to win the nomination more accurately because no one else will have a majority. The only way that this happens is if Donald Trump drops Florida to Rubio, drops Ohio to Kasich, and then the two of them immediately get out of the race and throw their support to Cruz. And now it's a two-way race between Cruz and Trump. And in any two-way race between Cruz and Trump, Cruz ends up winning more delegates than Trump. And that prevents, and that prevents Trump from going forward and winning outright. So in other words, Marco Rubio, who hasn't dropped out all the way till now, after winning a grand total of one state, and he's not going to win any of these upcoming states. He's going to win one state going into Super Tuesday in all likelihood. That guy who hasn't dropped out until now will win Florida and then turn around and say, I'm out. The chances of this are zero. John Kasich, who has, is only sticking around for Ohio, he sticks around, he wins Ohio. The chances of him dropping out are this, zero. Big goose egg. Not going to happen. Which means Cruz dropping out. Cruz can't drop out, as I mentioned. He's got the most delegates other than Trump. He's the only person who's beaten Trump 
in any significant sense. And again, if Cruz gets out, thanks to his immigration position, there's a good shot that at least, say, 30 percent of his vote goes to Trump. And at that point, it doesn't matter who else drops out, because the fact is that Trump ends up winning enough delegates to take it home. So it's it's a you have to assume at this point there's about a 75 percent chance that Trump wins the nomination outright. Even if he doesn't win the nomination outright, he has more delegates than anybody else going into the convention. And he's won more states than anybody else going into the convention. The only people who are eligible at this point are people who have won eight states. And there's a controversy over whether you have to win a majority in those eight states or just a plurality will do it. In any case, it's possible we may enter we may enter the, the, the we may enter the convention with Trump being the only one who's actually won eight states. I mean, at this point, Cruz has only won four, and it's hard to spot the other four that he's going to win. Right? If he does, it's going to be very slim. For point of reference, Rick Santorum, who was the challenger to Mitt Romney in 2012, he won a grand total of eight states. So it's not that easy to get to eight states. So that's where we currently stand. So earlier I mentioned there is a game changer. There's a game changer. The game changer is, you ready for this? We need someone to come out of the wings riding a white horse, unifying the party against Trump, really bringing people together, maybe even putting his name on ballots as a writing candidate or challenging him at the convention. Mitt Romney. Oh, yes. Mitt Romney has announced that he is going to give... Uh, Mitt Romney has announced that he is going to give a major address tomorrow on the 2016 election cycle. He's going to give a major address tomorrow at the University of Utah on the 2016 election cycle. This is according to TheHill.com, breaking just moments ago. According to The Hill, Romney will hold a speech addressing the 2016 race. It says, quote, The 2012 nominee and former Massachusetts governor will address the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the University of Utah. They don't really have any more information about what he's going to say. Is he going to announce a run? Unlikely. Is he going to throw his support to Rubio? Maybe, although how that's going to help, I don't know the answer to that, given the fact that so many people dislike Romney. That's sort of one of the things driving the the entire Trump base, is that they disliked Romney, they disliked McCain. Romney last week warned of a bombshell in Trump's tax returns. Speculation has been mounting that Romney might even declare himself a candidate. A Romney aide told The Hill that that is highly unlikely, that he's not going to declare himself a candidate. The the campaign strategist, she doesn't think, uh, Katie Packer, she said she doesn't think that he's going to jump into the race. She says that he wants to be a voice, an adult in the room, so he'll jump into the attacking of of Donald Trump. It's going to be throw the kitchen sink at at Donald Trump. The problem is coming from Rubio, it just and coming from Romney, it just it just doesn't wash in any real way. By the way, other breaking news: Ben Carson has decided he's not going to show up at the debate tomorrow night. There's another debate tomorrow night, and it's going to be everybody against Trump. Ben Carson is not showing up, so I guess that we are deprived of Ben Carson mumbling his way through a Wikipedia entry on North Korea. So that's exciting. And we won't have to, Donald, Ben Carson can complain about not getting enough time to talk from his couch at home. By the way, Ben Carson was the margin by which Ted Cruz lost in at least two states last night. In at least two states last night. So thank you, Ben Carson, for sticking around just long enough to make sure that Donald Trump won a bunch of states. Just great. I love this. A Carson Stafford says, the campaign is not suspended. Ben is going to continue advocating for issues he cares about. So he's, I guess he's just going home for another laundry run. Amazing. Amazing. And, and this is what it comes down to, folks, and I think this is important to mention. The number of egos in this race, everybody's ripping on Trump's ego, including me. I think it's absurd. Okay, but there are enough egos in this race doing stupid things that that's why Donald Trump is winning. If they've been able to consolidate around any one of these people, Trump does not win. But they haven't, and so Trump is winning because he's the biggest ego in the room. 
and he's not competing for anybody else's votes. He's got his own voter base. One, the only other possibility here is that Trump really starts to slide because of this KKK thing. Uh, and people are saying, well, you know, he disavowed the KKK. Oh, how many times does he have to disavow the KKK? He disavowed David Duke and the KKK before he did it, after he did it a thousand times. And the answer is he has to disavow them every single time. That's the answer. It's really not difficult. If somebody came up to you and said, Nazis, good or bad. If you said 99 times, really terrible people, really awful. And that one last time, you're like, well, you know, they still build the Autobahn. They're kind of okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't really know much about the Nazis, per se. If you give me more information, maybe I can make a call on it. People are going to focus in on that one time, right? If somebody says, do you beat your wife? And you say, no, 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 no. And then one time you say, well, you know, I don't, it depends on how you define beating, I guess. You really have, everybody's going to jump on that, of course. And they should, because, again, there are certain answers that have, there are certain questions with universal answers. In any case, how much is it actually going to hurt Trump? It won't hurt him in the primaries, apparently, or at least not much. It may hurt him in a general a lot more because I promise you they'll be running these ads from here until November. Van Jones, who's the, a black commentator on CNN, he's, he's a racial radical. I know this because Van Jones and I were in a green room once talking and he compared the Los Angeles Police Department to Hamas. Um, but Van Jones was in a debate with Jeffrey Lord, who's a spokesperson for, for, Hill, for, uh, for Donald Trump. Sorry, I almost mixed up the two New York liberals. And, uh, and here's Jeffrey Lord versus Van Jones on, on the KKK scandal. You can go back to the Central Jogger case, where he came out and with, with, put, had innocent black kids winding up in no, prison. innocent but, kids. Well, hold on a second. No, innocent finish. black kids. Listen, hold on a second. We have a big problem at this point now, because I agree with you about a lot. I think that he, we have taken him not seriously. We have not respected his voters. But there is a dark underside here. And Essie is right. He is whipping up and tapping into and pushing buttons that are very, very frightening to me and frightening to a lot of people. Number one, when he is playing funny with the Klan, that is not cool. He didn't you, play hold, funny hold, with hold, the Hold on a second. I know this man when he gets passionate about terrorism. I know how he talks about terrorism. The Klan is a terrorist organization that has killed... A leftist men. terrorist organization. You can, you can put whatever label you want you want. That's your, that's your game to play. No, it's that, no, that's your game to play. No, they're not... Like, we're not going to play that game. No, we're not going to play that game. We are going to understand no, history. No, no, no. You need to take a serious look at the fact that this man has, is playing fast and loose and footsie. When, when you talk about terrorism, he gets passionate. He says, no, this is wrong. But when you talk about the Klan, oh, I don't know, I don't know. That's wrong. And then you came on the air. And you said, well, this is uh, just like when um, um, Reverend Wright was speaking. Yeah. Reverend Wright never yeah. lynched anybody. Reverend Wright never Reverend killed Wright anybody. Is, Reverend, Reverend Wright, Wright ne is no, an anti-Semite. Reverend Wright never put anybody on a, on, on a post. And you guys play these word games. And it's wrong to do in America. It, it is, is wrong, wrong to, to do. It is wrong to understand that these are not leftists. They were a what, the, what difference band, does it make if it you call them a lot of different bands? We're not talking. They band, killed people. Not, and you don't play games with that. We are, you you're don't right. Play games you're with right. That. And you don't hide and say that's not part of the base of the Democratic Party. That has been. They were the military arm, the terrorist arm of the Democratic Party, according to historians. That's For God's sake, read your history. I'm not, listen, I'm not. I don't know. I don't care. This whole attitude of dividing by race is still here, and this is I how Democrats do the deal. I don't care how they voted 50 years ago. I care about who they killed. I, I care about American you history. Stood, it counts. You have stood with Donald Trump, and you have made a case for Donald Trump when nobody else wanted to, and you've earned the respect of an awful lot of people. But when you do not acknowledge that he did not answer that question with the passion, he's he, answered with other terrorist organizations. You, you do yourself a disservice. You do your he has, a disservice. He has made you, this you, point 
over and over and over again. This is a media thing here. Did he make a mistake when he should? Sure, but he has said this many, many times. I've gone back and looked. He's mm -hmm. well on record over and over and but over again that, on It's this. worse than that, sir. It's worse than that. That whole thing with those central jogger kids, he got the entire city of New York whipped up on this idea that these kids had done something wrong. And then when it turned out they were innocent, we all make mistakes. Right. He never apologized to those kids. And that's, that's a stain on him. And you can walk through time after time where he's done stuff like that. The stuff he said about Native Americans being you know, criminal uh, organizations and, and mafias. He said so but, many but ben, ben, things. But what you're and, doing right here, what you're doing here is dividing people. We're all Americans here, I, man. You are dividing people. This is what liberals do. You are dividing people by race. Okay, so I, we can pause I, it there. I, the, I, the fact is that, that this may work in a Republican primary. This attempt to kind of schluff off everything, this moral equivalence. Well, Trump was weak on the KKK, but the KKK were your people, which is true. You know, all, all of that may work in a Republican. It ain't going to work in a general. This is going to be a real problem in a general election. Whether you agree with Jeffrey Lord or whether you think that Van Jones is crazy, this is not going to play well in a general election. End of story. So, you know, could that still damage Trump in a primary? It's possible if people recognize that Trump is in many ways unelectable. But, you know, again, the math militates against the idea that somebody else is going to be able to defeat Donald Trump. Okay, on the other side of the aisle, Hillary Clinton had herself a big night, and Hillary Clinton is just egregious in every way it's possible for her to be egregious. Here was Hillary Clinton's victory speech last night after winning a bunch of states, including Vermont, which, which hurts. Did she win Vermont? She won Massachusetts, I guess. Uh, in, in, he won Vermont. She won Massachusetts, I think. Um, she won a bunch of states. She's obviously going to win the nomination. Here was Hillary Clinton talking about what we really need in America. All we need is love. America never stopped being great. We... We have to make America whole. We have to fill in. Fill in what's been hollowed out. to make strong the broken places, restitch the bonds of trust and respect across our country. Now, it might be unusual, as I've said before, for a presidential candidate to say this, but I'm going to keep saying it. I believe what we need in America today is more love and kindness. Yeah, for love. Woohoo! Love. Nothing says love like throwing lamps at your husband. Nothing says love like trying to destroy his rape victims. Nothing says love quite like that. I mean, when I think love, I look at that pudding. Look at that face. That's, that's, that's the face of love right there. Look at that pudding. Woo. Yeah, she's, that, that's a loving person. She says, all we need is love. And then her laser eyes turn on. And, and she starts to swivel her head around. And you can actually hear her going, as she takes in all of the adoration. No, she's going to unify us. She's really going to bring us together. In fact, Hillary is so loving and so wonderful that uh, yesterday she was confronted by a voter, and here's how loving and wonderful she is. Um, yeah, it gets awkward. Very proud to have met you know what, dear? You have a different He is a Somali-American elected to the city council. I'm really proud of that. So, well, then why don't you go run for something then? You go, you, good. Well, good. Good luck to you. Oh, boy. Yeah, look at that face. That's the face of love and kindness, gang. That's the face that's going to be looking at you from posters all over America when she's the president of the United States 
And she is extending that love and kindness into control of your lives. This is how the American left works. Is they, they, they just, they're so lovely. They're so gentle. They're so warm. You hear her say to this, this girl who disagrees with her, well, you go run for something, dear. You go run for something. And if Donald Trump were that nasty to a voter, it would be all over the front pages. Hillary Clinton does it on a routine basis. No problem whatsoever. Meanwhile, her big rival, Bernie Sanders, he's not running to actually be the nominee. He's running to, to be the face of a movement. And I think that it's important to recognize something about the Democratic race. And it's true of the Republican side also. Everybody's talking about the collapse of the Republican Party, how it's falling apart, how we're in dire circumstances. I agree. The Republican Party is basically on its last legs here. And it's been on its last legs for 15 to 20 years is the truth. The only thing that happened is that victory covers up for problems, right? Victory covers up for problems. Just like in life, wealth covers for certain problems that you may have in your life. It may be able to, to you know, buy you. It can't buy you love, but it can buy you certain amounts of distance from people. You know, money does cure some ills. Victory cures a lot of ills for a political party. If Hillary Clinton were to lose this election, you would see a gap begin to form inside the Democratic Party that would tear that party apart because there is a difference between the the lying supposed moderation of Hillary Clinton and the truthful insanity of Bernie Sanders, who last night said he wants to continue fundamentally transforming the country. This campaign, as I think all of you know, this campaign is not just about electing a president, it is about transforming America. It is about making our great country the nation that we know it has the potential to be. It is about dealing with some unpleasant truths that exist in America today and having the guts to confront those truths. It is about recognizing that in our state, we have town meetings and people come out and they argue about budgets and then they vote. One person, one vote. Okay, so this is, this is what it's all about, right? It's about transforming the country. The truth is that Trump wants to transform the country too. He says he just wants to maintain, but he doesn't. He actually wants to transform it in his own likeness. And again, at this point, I understand Trump is probably going to be the nominee. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop fighting against Trumpism because that philosophy is damaging and dangerous. Trump may not even be Trumpism. Trump may just be Trump. Trumpism is a philosophy that's a mashup of populism and authoritarianism that's scary. Trump may not even be that guy. But his backers are looking for that guy. And that's a problem. So was it today, was yesterday a good day for the country? No, it wasn't a good day for the country. Is this election good for the country? No, it's possible that this election will serve only as a warning to other planets. It's possible that, that you know, the glimmers of hope that you've been given about a brokered convention are about to be stamped out by the boot of justice and, and, and reality. But the fact is that the, the, the hope of conservatism cannot rest on the back of Donald Trump. And whether he's the nominee or not, whether you vote for him or not, that doesn't mean that you ought to change your philosophy of governance and your philosophy of mankind and your philosophy of what a constitutional republic looks like because you like Donald Trump or because you want to transform along with Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. Uh, all of this is, is pretty troubling stuff. As we can, well, okay, so now it's time for some things that I like and some things that I hate. Okay, things that I like. I grew up, people, people ask kind of what I, what kind of cultural influences I had when I grew up. 
So I didn't watch a lot of TV growing up, at least not TV that was concurrently on. My parents were not big on what was on TV, so they used to go out and they used to rent us old episodes of the Dick Van Dyke Show and the Waltons. Um, but the movie that I really grew up on, more than any other movie, was a movie that's of a musical called 1776. And if you've never seen 1776, it won the best Tony for, for best musical uh, in, I think, 1972. Uh, and it is, a, it is a truly terrific musical. It's all about the founding of the United States. It's about the creation of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, and it's historically extremely accurate. It talks about slavery. Talks about how the Declaration was signed, how the how the United States was formed. It's the music is terrific. Here is the opening number from 1776, at least the beginning of the opening number. This is William Daniels, who, for TV fans, you'll remember when he's much older, playing in Boy Meets World. He's the teacher of John Ad in John Adams High School, but he started off as a musical theater guy. He won. Uh, I, I he didn't win. He should have won Best Actor Tony for for this. But here is here is William Daniels in the movie version, which is. Really a terrific movie version. You can find the restored cut, which actually has a song that they cut out. There's a song called Cool Conservative Men um, in there that they, that they cut out because Richard Nixon didn't like the song, actually. Um, but here is the, here's the, the opening number, at least the beginning of the opening number, to 1776. This movie influenced me so much when I was growing up that on Purim, which is sort of the Jewish Halloween where we dress up, every year when I was a kid, I had a red coat and I had a, and I had a powdered wig like John Adams, and I used to dress up as John Adams every year. For Purim. So here is here is the beginning of 1776. I have come to the conclusion that one useless man is called a disgrace, that two are called a law firm, and that three or more become a Congress. And by God, I have had this Congress. For 10 years, King George and his parliament have gull-cullied and diddled these colonies with their illegal taxes, stamp acts, Townsend acts, sugar acts, tea acts. And when we dared stand up like men, they have stopped our trade, seized our ships, blockaded our ports, burned our towns, and spilled our blood. And still, this Congress refuses to grant any of my proposals on independence, even so much as the courtesy of open debate. Good God, what in hell are you waiting for? Thomas, for God's sake, listen to me. Will you listen to me and forget the window? I say vote yes, vote yes, vote for independence. It's a great musical. It's really a terrific musical, and you should go and you should rent the whole thing. It's it's really great. Uh, Thomas Jefferson is in it, Benjamin Franklin is in it, John Hancock is a major character, Edward Rutledge, who was, I think, 26 when the Continental Congress happened, and who was the guy originally in the Declaration of Independence. For all those people who think that the founders were a bunch of racists who just went along with slavery, okay, in the original draft of the Declaration of Independence, and this is a major point in the musical, there was a provision talking about how the King of England had pushed slavery, crammed slavery down on the colonies. And the South objected, and they said, we don't want the, if you, the, the South actually said, if you put this in the Declaration of Independence, we will not sign it. We will not join the Union. We will not join the United States if you put that in there, because the implication is that we have to abolish slavery. John Adams said in 1780, he said, if we do not fight slavery now, 
In 80 years, there will be a great civil war in this country. So that in 1780, 80 years exactly later, there was a great civil war in the country. So the idea that all the founders were terrible racists who were who are pro-slavery and, and terrible, horrible human it's just not true. There's a major battle over it, and it's, it's, it's a great musical. You should rent it, especially for kids, perfect for kids. If you have kids, if you are a kid, this is the, this is the thing that, that you should watch. It's, it's, it's based on a, a novel called Four Days in July, which is really a terrific novel as well. It's a, it's a dramatization of what happened and very historically accurate. This musical was written by a history professor, actually. So it's, it's really, really good stuff. I, I love this music. It's my favorite musical. So that's, that's things that I like. Okay, a, th- a couple of things that I hate really quickly. So the state of California, my state, which is just a garbage heap. I mean, if you, if you want the United... It, it's sad when you watch that and you see that, you know, that what our founders fought for, they were fighting against the idea that you had an unelected bureaucratic government, right, that, that you couldn't do anything about, that was cramming down taxes and excises and, and measures against you, that was invading your personal privacy by quartering troops, that was, that was destroying your rights. And now we have a government that we're supposed to embrace for doing all of these things. That's what we call Hillary Clinton's love and kindness. Right? We, we used to fight against the idea of a tyrant dictator. George Washington, when he, when he was the most powerful man in America, was offered that slot and he turned it down. Because he said, this is against what America stands for. Now, we have this yearning for a strong man. 200 years, I guess, was a good run. In any case, here in California, we've already embraced the strong man. I mean, California is the... the you want to know what America looks like. It looks like California, except less prosperous. And California is already sinking into the economic mire. So what exactly are our legislators worried about? The lawmakers, according to the Sacramento Bee, have jammed a mountain of bills into the legislative queue just ahead of the February 19th deadline to introduce them. One of those bills is Assembly Bill 1887 by Evan Lowe, who's a Democrat, of course. He wants to prohibit state employees from government-funded travel to states that have a law in effect that sanctions or requires discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation gender identity, or gender expression. So what exactly does that mean? There's no state that requires sexual orientation discrimination. There's no state that says you must discriminate against the gays. There are zero states in America that do this. Zero. So what's he talking about? He's talking about states like Indiana that have what are called Religious Freedom Restoration Acts. These are acts on the books, or were until Indiana pansied out. These are acts on the books that say that religious business owners do not have to service same-sex weddings, for example. That religious institutions don't have to hire gay people because it violates their religious precepts, right? That's what a Religious Freedom Restoration Act is. So what does California do? They say, we're not even going to let people travel there. We're going to build a wall to keep you out of these evil, terrible places that are so terrible to the gays. Because as we know, there have been just pogroms against gay people all throughout Indianapolis. It's this sort of intolerance for religious people that, that truly is maddening. And this is where we're going. If the, if the Supreme Court goes to the Democrats, this is why I'm still, as much as I dislike Trumpism, as much as I dislike Trump, I'm still leaning toward the side that says you must vote for Trump against Hillary Clinton because if there's even a 10% chance that Donald Trump nominates someone to the Supreme Court who's not a wild leftist, then that is better than Hillary Clinton's 0% chance that you do this. I mean, it's honestly, I, I have to struggle every day with the idea of pulling the lever for Donald Trump, but against Hillary Clinton that decision becomes slightly easier for sure because otherwise people like this bureaucrat will run things. And, it's, and that's truly, truly frightening. Okay, final thing that I dislike. Adam Eaton is an outfielder for the Chicago White Sox. They're my team. Right? Unlike President Obama, I actually like the White Sox. I actually follow the White Sox. I don't just make up support for teams based on political expedience. So Adam Eaton is a Chicago White Sox outfielder. And during the Academy Awards, he tweeted at, during the Chris Rock opening monologue, which we talked about a couple of days ago, He tweeted, quote, 
Why does it always have to be about black and white? Hashtag American. Okay. Anything wrong with that? I don't see anything wrong with that. That seems like something perfectly legit. Why does it always have to be broken down based on race? Why can't it just be we're all American? Some actors were good this year who were white. Some were bad this year who were white. There were some who were bad this year who were black. And there were none that were tremendous this year who were black. Right? Why is that the end of the world? So what happened? What happened? He had to, put, he had to delete the tweet. And then he said, I feel terrible. I mean no harm, and I apologize. I should not have even gone into that realm. In my baseball world, we have equality. Everyone in this room I respect and love, and everybody has an opportunity. He says, I, may, I want to have a connection with people, and I may step back for a little bit. So in other words, if you say something completely, completely innocuous, like race should not be a qualifying characteristic, race does not matter, if you say that sort of thing, then now you will be forced off Twitter if you are, if you are in the celebrity world. And they wonder why we think they're intolerant bigots. They wonder why there's a culture war because they started the culture war because this is their culture war. This is their culture war. And you want to know why Trump is winning? It's because of stuff like that. That's why Trump is winning because the reaction to that, the reaction to force the white guy to take down the the anti-racist tweet, the reaction to that is screw all of you. We'll elect the white guy who defends who defends white people, at least on the part of some of these white people who, who support Donald Trump. Screw political correctness. We'll elect the politically incorrect guy. And it's, you know, you can't blame people for the sentiment, even if you even if you disagree with the message that they're promoting, as I do strenuously. But this is what the left has wrought. They've wrought a racially divided America. And when Hillary says she's going to unify people, she's lying. There's no one more racially divisive in America than Hillary Clinton, except for perhaps Barack Obama. So that's where we are. It's, you know, uh, it's a difficult time. But don't worry, we'll get through it together, because the fact is, as they say at the end of at the end of 1776, this is actually the clip I wanted to pull, but I couldn't find it online. At the end of 1776, um, George Washington writes a letter to Congress, and he says, "I want you to send me." He's in the battlefield, and he doesn't have resources, and he keeps sending letters and missives to Congress. And at one point, and what I love about the musical is it's again very historically accurate. He sends a letter to Congress saying, "Is anyone? Is anybody there? Does anybody care?" Right? Because he, because nobody is writing him back and giving him resources of any kind. And John Adams sings this great number where he talks about, is anybody there? Does anybody care? Does anybody see what I see? Here's my vision of what America looks like. That vision is still there. The vision is still there. And they can, they can stomp on it, and they can bury it, and they can bury it under loads of populist rhetoric or leftist rhetoric or whatever kind of garbage you want. They can push it under loads of, of tyrannically strongman-based nonsense. Bottom line is that vision still lives so long as you and I believe it, and as long as we never stop fighting for that vision. And we're not going to stop fighting for that vision as long as we stand together. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So... 
I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 